This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. episode, we sat down with Dr. Miguel Briones. Miguel earned his PhD in the psychology program at the Graduate Center. When we spoke, Miguel was a medical writer at the BGB group. In this episode, he tells us about his experiences in data science and medical writing, how medical writers work with other companies in the pharmaceutical industry, and the importance of leveraging your connections. My name is Miguel Briones, and I am a medical writer at BGB Communications. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that company is, what they do, and then a little bit about what you do for them as a medical writer? Yeah, so BGB Communications is a marketing strategy company where we take pharmaceutical companies' content and try to make a creative scientific spin on it. And so part of my job as a medical writer is to work with the pharmaceutical companies, align with their goals of how they want to promote their drug, and then see where we can fit our strategy and our expertise in the field. Mm-hmm. So part of the strategy is they want to promote their drug to patients, but how do they strategically promote their drug without getting in trouble with the FDA mm-hmm. for medical-related content, for scientific-related content? Or how do they even align on promoting the correct scientific content so that a patient doesn't go to their doctor and the doctor says this is completely wrong? So there's a, bit of a, a little bit of that and a little bit of marketing. So we do a lot of strategic components with the brand strategy team, which is what we call them. Not only do I have to wear a scientific hat, but I have to wear a marketer's hat and have to think about, okay, so how does my background in science allow me to help them market their drug in a crowded field? Because they're not the only company that's promoting a drug in IBD, but how do we make them stand out? What about the scientific process or what about the scientific mechanism of their drug allows them to stand out in a field crowded with other pharmaceutical companies? So it's sort of part strategy, part marketing, part being a know-it-all in science. And so you, you work as part of a team to do that. Could you kind of describe your role relative to like what other people are doing? So my level is the entry-level medical writer. But the team is composed of a medical team, there's a strategy team, there's an art team, there's a project management team, and there's an account team. And within all those teams, you have different levels of roles. So I'll give you an example for the medical team, because that's what I know best. In the medical team, you have a medical writer, you have a senior medical writer, then you have an associate medical director, medical director, senior medical director, up until the VP level. And so for the medical writer and the senior medical writer, it's more client-facing and coming up with the content. When you get to the associate medical director level, now you're overseeing all the medical writers and you're overseeing the work that's being done, but now you're starting to get into a more strategic role. So as a medical writer, I don't necessarily have a role in playing with the strategy, or you know, saying how do we make a certain piece better. But as an associate medical director, you have more of a say in terms of how can I use my expertise and my years in the field to tell this client, this is what you should be doing. I obviously don't have the experience for that yet, so therefore I'm in the medical writer role. It's more of a, someone tells me this is what you should be doing, hey, can you create this content? And I go and create it. Okay, the content you're generating is mostly just like copyright, you're, you're writing stuff. And the art team will create 
Yes. Yeah. And so the synergy behind every single team is that as medical writers, we own the medical content and then we ship it off to the art team. And then cr they, they create all the artistic effects. So for example, for making a brochure, the art team will make all the you know mechanism of action cell drawings. Or they would make all the copy in a way that looks promotional. In terms of the account team, they really handle the clients and they handle all the money, mm. right? So we have to get paid somehow. So the account team really gives talks to the client and says, this is how much everything is going to cost. Are you okay with that? Mm. And they sort of deal with the logistics of, if you're not going to pay that, here's what we can offer. If you pay more, so on and so forth. So in terms of the medical team, we really stay within the scientific bounds of the work. You know, there are some other companies that allow you to be an accountant as well as, sorry, not account, part of the account team, as well as part of the art team. BGB, it's more of a, you focus on the science and science only. Mm -hmm. You know, we really don't try to overstep our boundaries. Depending on the project or client you're working with, is the kind of your target audience, does it ever change or is it always usually the public or like doctors who might be prescribing? It does actually, yeah. which is what, is what makes this job a little bit more fascinating. If someone thinks medical writing, they think, oh, you just make, you know, content for patients or doctors. And it's, while that's necessarily true, we also work with a medical team and a pharmaceutical company. So there are different ways or different levels of medical writing that you can get into. I am in the promotional medical writing field. So what we do is work with the company to promote their drug either to patients, to doctors, or to other specialists in the field. So if you have an MSL, for example, a medical science liaison, mm. we will create the content for the medical science liaison. There are other fields of medical writing where you write publications and that's all you do. And then there's others where you work in the regulatory field. And when a company wants to promote the drug or they want to initially promote their drug or apply for an application with the FDA, you have to write this big document that says why this drug could be considered a potential marketable drug. So there is a field of medical writing that's so focused solely on that. I'm more on the promotional side, which I think is a bit more fun because you get to be a little bit more creative mm -hmm. with your science. I'd like to take a couple steps back and ask you what you did while you were at CUNY, what your field of study was, and then in a couple of iterations, like how you got from, from there to, to where you are today. Because I know it wasn't just a clear path. Yeah, definitely. So I got accepted into the Behavioral and, and Cognitive Neuroscience program in the Psychology Department. So my lab was based at Hunter. And initially, I thought I was going to study drugs and behavior. Ended up, I ended up studying fear and fear memory. And my project focused on looking at a organic compound called curcumin that you can find in turmeric and whether or not that can suppress a fear memory from being expressed in a rodent. So it was a lot of animal behavior research, a lot of pharmacology research, and I remember thinking in my third year of grad school, that, that was a pivotal point where I told myself maybe academia isn't the way I want to go, it isn't what I want to do with the rest of my life, but you're right in that there wasn't a clear-cut path as to what I wanted to do. I knew that medical writing existed because I had friends who had gone into medical writing. I think like four people who were at Hunter College, which is where my lab was based at, they had gone into medical writing. Mm -hmm. And I had asked them a couple questions about it, and they told me about it, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll think about it. But I got really interested in doing data science. And so I taught myself how to code, I taught myself Python, R, uh, SQL, all the necessary things for data science. And then I took an internship at a data science company. I worked for, as a data scientist with clients for a couple months. 
And then I realized data science isn't where I want to be. It's not what I want to do. <laughs> it kind of dawned on me where, where I was sort of waking up every day and I was thinking to myself, yeah, I like coding, but I really don't want to read math and computer science papers you know, to keep up with the field for the rest of my career. I kind of want to go back to the pharmacology. I kind of want to go back to the science that I started when I was in grad school. And it was then, it was like my fourth or fifth year in grad school when I thought, well, maybe I can give medical writing a shot. And so I just reached out to a couple of friends who were in the field, the same friends who were in the field from Hunter, asked them if they had any open positions available. And one of them said, yes, I can recommend you send me your resume. And that was basically how I got my start. I sort of just fell into it. Yeah. So a contact you knew at the GC, was it through your lab or, uh, or Hunter? Or? It was at Hunter. It was weird because our lab had shared space. Right, right. So this person would come into the lab often. Um, I would see them and I knew them by name. But they weren't technically in my lab. Mm -hmm. But I knew them and they knew me. Right? They knew my face and they knew what I looked like. So when I messaged them, they were like, oh yeah, I know you. How's it going? And they, they work for the company that you work for now? Or? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they work for the company that I work for now. And at the time that I reached out to him, he was at a more senior level. And so he really gave me the inside scoop as to actually how the process works. And I was interested, and I said, why not? Let me just try it. Mm. And so far? So far, so good. I, it's actually surprising. I didn't come into it with any expectations. I didn't think I was going to like it. I didn't think I was going to dislike it. I just thought, well, I need to do something, and data science isn't it, so what, it, what is it going to be? And again, medical science was always in the back of my mind, and so I thought, well, let me try it out and see what could go wrong. I mean, if, if I hate it, I just do something else. Mm -hmm. But if I like it, then I just keep at it. And so far, so good. I think I approached it with the thought that I was going to be writing most of the time, and that's not necessarily the case. I think a lot of the time I found myself thinking strategy, I found myself thinking about marketing, and I started to use a lot of my creativity in how to promote some of these drugs, which I think is a really good thing about this field in that they allow you as a scientist to just sort of come up with an idea and say, yeah, I think it'd be creative if you approach the strategy this way, and having everyone say, yeah, I like that idea. It's particularly for me, for this company, I think it's a blend of really good people who really want are passionate about the field, but two, are just passionate about science in general. And when you get a group of people who are incredibly smart, passionate about science, passionate about anything really, it doesn't matter what you do, it's just, it's about who you're working with, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have um, an example of a kind of creative idea you've had or like, you know, something you suggested that was then taken up that you're proud of? Just an example of that creative process. So a lot of the time, in order to win a new business in this field, you have to pitch to these pharmaceutical companies. And so we were working on a pitch for this drug for acute myeloid leukemia. It was a matter of, they left it up to me as to how I wanted to create, it, how, how I wanted to create the deck and how I wanted the story to flow. And I approached it as, here's a drug. Everyone else is marketing the drug as targeting a specific mutation. Your drug doesn't cover a specific mutation. It covers a specific protein that's expressed in almost all tumor cells. So why not take your approach instead of saying, here we are, we're targeted for AML, and say, this is a one-all approach, you know, a one-stop shop for your drug, for, for your cure. Um, and they really like that. Mm -hmm. They really like that messaging. And I built a strategy behind that, and they received it really well. And I think everyone was a bit surprised that that came about, mm. but also they were very encouraging about letting me run with it. They received it really well. 
you're describing this to me, this job, and the first thing that comes to mind is a medical version of like Mad Men. Right. Yeah. Yes. Do you ever feel like you're yes. like living that life? For a little sure. Bit? And it's it, it's it's kind of like that. It's not as glamorous <laughs> as Mad Men, but it's kind of like you are in an advertising agency, and it's weird because. When I first started the job, everyone everyone was like, well, how do you like the advertising agency? I didn't really see myself as an advertiser or as a marketer. It was sort of like, well, I'm in science. And then as you keep going in this job, you, you sort of realize, yeah, I am sort of like an ad person. I am like a madman. Or as they like to call them, madman, which I hate, but still. Madman? Madman, yeah. Just like, <laughs> it's also a, a company of a different sort. Yeah, it's like I work in advertising. And when it dawned on me that that's what I do, it's just that the blanket on it is science. It was kind of like, oh, I kind of like this. It is kind of a glamorous, not glamorous, but it's kind of like an advertising lifestyle, right? Because it's an advertising agency, because it's a client-based industry, some of the hours can be really long. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that you're used to in grad school. Right. So. so would you say you're working fewer or about the same or less hours? I would say I'm working more structured hours, but it's about the same. Right? It's like I'm not up at one in the morning working um, like I was in grad school, but I'm also not leaving at 5.30, right? Or like 6.30. Sometimes I leave at 7, sometimes I leave at 8. Mm-hmm. But they do a really good job at balancing work and life, which is you know, more than you can say with some of these circumstances in academia. But I think part of my reason for leaving academia is to find something that was more work-life balance, mm-hmm. or had more work-life balance. And I think I did find that with medical writing. Is there anything about your job right now you don't like? Any aspects about it that you find like frustrating? I think some of the frustrating aspects is sometimes working with individuals that don't really see your vision or don't you you don't really see eye to eye. And of course you find that in academia, you find that everywhere. But also the fact that it's a structure. So you gotta have to get used to being in structure, right? In academia you get used to, well I'm gonna come in at twelve and then I'm gonna leave at seven and then the next day I'm going to come in at 10 and leave at three and if I get my work done then that's it I get to leave whereas in industry it doesn't work that way at least in the medical writing field it's sort of like a nine to five and you sort of have you have to be there but you get used to that that's really the only downside of it it was a process to get to transition over and to adjust into being at a desk for eight hours of the day nine hours of the day but beyond that there isn't really something that I dislike I mean, there are things that I can do away with, but it's really a minor inconvenience compared to the positives that come from working in an industry where I feel like I'm being valued. What are the backgrounds of the other people you're working with? And you mentioned that the person who kind of brought you into this company, yeah. the, the other people you work with, do they all come from like an academic background? So the people I work with in the medical team yeah. all come from an academic background, for the most part. Do they all have PhDs? or? Yes, yeah. around like... So that's like a, a requirement? That's pretty much a requirement mm-hmm. at this point. There are a few people, I can, I can say that there are three people that have a master's degree in, in engineering, biomedical engineering. I think the medical team now consists of around 65 people. Three of them have a master's in engineering, the rest have PhDs mm-hmm. in all sorts of biological and chemical sciences. Particularly the people that I work with, they have a PhD in molecular biology, cell biology, neuroscience, I'm not the only one, or biochemistry. A lot of biologists, a lot of chemists. Do you think the kind of independent study you did teaching yourself data science has come in handy at all? Yeah, I think I think it came in handy in ways that I didn't think would come in handy. When I was doing the data, the data science internship, I had to speak to clients and talk to clients and be client-facing. And I think it helped me in 
finding my voice when it comes to speaking to clients and finding, quote unquote, my business voice, but also being able to take a lead and you know, walking a client or walking someone through a project, right? And being able to sort of read the client and being able to synthesize complex information into something that's very simple, which is what we all do and what we all train for. But you can get lost in the academic world where you're just speaking to someone in academic jargon and then you're put into industry and you're faced with a client that doesn't really understand the jargon and then you're just like, you know, how can you explain this to someone who comes from an English background, who comes from a psychology background? And believe it or not, it can sometimes be tough because you're so used to just as a knee-jerk reaction going into, oh yeah, but you know this process and this process and this process and you're sometimes taken aback by saying, oh yeah, you don't know that process, I have to explain that to you. Mm. Uh, and I think the data science internship really taught me, especially because it was a field that I didn't really do my PhD in. So not only learning about algorithms and models, but also taking that information and trying to synthesize it, really taught me how to one, learn complex information, and then two, how to distinguish that in my mind as here's how to talk about it with someone in the field, and here's how to talk about it with someone not in the field, but really wants to know about it. So that was really helpful for sure. I think that the biggest piece of advice that I could give for someone going into industry is having the ability to do those two things in your mind, is to still retain your academic background and have be able to speak to someone in academic jargon, because you will work with people from an academic background, but then also take that information and transfer that to people who are not from an academic background. Because you do have to speak to, at least in my specific case, you have to speak to people in account or in art or in project management. They want to know what, you, what we're working on. And you have to sort of synthesize it in a way that they can understand it so that they don't come away thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about, because then nothing gets stuck. Do you think anything in your experience at CUNY prepared you for that kind of work? I would say the biggest thing that prepared me was teaching. And I do a lot, I do a fair amount of teaching in my line of work. Because whenever we have to do a pitch, or whenever we have to onboard someone who isn't from, oh, even with a medical background, we have to give them what we call a med buddy. And it's basically a backgrounder for whatever field that we're working on. And we constantly win new business with new companies, or we're constantly pitching to new companies. And so a lot of the time, I find myself learning a new field and then having to give a med buddy or give a talk to people who come from completely different backgrounds. And so teaching at the undergraduate level really helped me because it, I think I taught for two years, and being able to synthesize information about neuroscience into a way that an undergrad can digest it really helped me to put that into perspective when I'm learning about acute myeloid leukemia, or I think I just learned about something called gastrointestinal stromal tumors, or GISTs, and being able to take that info and then having to give a med buddy to a group of people who do not have a medical background. And so how do you tell someone, yeah, you have a tumor that grows in your stomach, and sometimes it can pop out of your stomach, sometimes it can stay in your stomach, right? It's like taking that information, putting it into a context that they can understand. One question for clarification. So you did an internship in data science. Correct. You were doing that while you were still in the graduate program? Yes, so that's a very good point. Okay. I was doing this internship while I was still in the graduate program. While I was in grad school finishing up my experiments, I started to teach myself how to code, and then I thought to myself, I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. And at the same time, I had finished enough of my work where I can write a complete dissertation without having to do additional experiments. So I was really lucky in that sense that I had the time to do this internship. It was more of a, you can work on whatever project you want to work on, on your time, and here's your deadline, say two weeks, but 
you want to work on it during the night, you can. If you want to work it, on it during the day, it's up to you. So I was able to get experience in a way that was on my schedule, which I don't think is normal, to be honest with you. Normal internships are you have to be here from 9 to 5, and you're going to report to someone. And what was the name of the company? or the So that company was called, it was called Biflow Dynamics. And it was started by an alumni, actually, from the GC, who graduated from the physics program. And I met this person because they had come to Hunter to give a talk about data science. And at the time, I was really interested in data science. And so I, I just approached them and said, hey, can I gain some experience by working for your company? And he was like, absolutely. We're mostly remote, so I have a couple projects that I'm going to work on. I can give you whatever you want to work on and see where it goes. And we were able to successfully complete a couple projects. And was that as far as you went with data science? You, you said you had taken on some clients. I, I think I spoke to like three to four clients and I worked on a project with them until the end of that project's life cycle. And around, I would say September of last year, where I was like, I really don't like data science. I really don't like the process of it. I've seen enough of it. I've gotten enough exposure to it where I was just like, I like speaking to clients, I don't like speaking to clients about data science. I, I knew from then, I was like, I don't think I'm going to apply to a data science position. It pays really well, but I don't think it's worth it for my own happiness. So you mentioned it pays really well. Was kind of compensation something you were thinking about when making career choice? Like absolutely. Comparing like academia to data science to you know, medical writing? What yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like if anyone says they aren't, sort of lying to you, right? Yeah. Because, you know, as a postdoc, you don't really get paid that well. And there isn't a lot of job security. You get paid better as a medical writer and as a data scientist. And I think part of the allure of working in industry is that it can allow you to live a decent lifestyle, right? You're not living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, as some grad students do. And at least, you know, can you think about a situation where you're not living with roommates because you can afford your own apartment? Like, honestly, part of the drive of leaving academia I want to start a life, you know, I like the science and I like being an academic, but at the same time, it, for me, it wasn't worth the struggle of not being financially compensated in the way that I should be and having to worry constantly because it is something that you should take into consideration. Transitioning into industry, I'm a lot happier in that regard. So for me, it was more of a, a where can I find a common ground where I'm getting paid enough, but at the same time doing something I really like, right? And I, you can get rewarded handsomely for data science. But at the same time, it wasn't work that I was really interested in. And it wasn't a culture, a work culture that I was really interested in either. Because for lack of a better word, it is a tech culture and there's tech hours. And I wasn't really interested in that. And so I found a common middle ground with medical writing. It's not so much tech as it's so much advertising world, but it also allowed me to work on content that I actually care about. I care about ecology, I care about neurology, and I care about the medical field more so than the data science field, to be honest. Mm. So for me, it was a no-brainer. And I will admit that I took the industry for data science, and I did consider it data science because of the financial compensation that you get. But after being in it and realizing that it isn't for me, medical writing wasn't a bad choice. So walk me through, just briefly, the process of getting that job. So a lot of the times, if you apply for a medical writing job, and I applied to two medical writing jobs, sometimes they, they ask you to do a writing sample, so you have to take a paper and synthesize it into 10 PowerPoint slides, and then you get to go to the interview stage. Sometimes they don't. For this other company that I applied for, I had to do a writing test. Uh, for BGB, I didn't. And I think it's because I had the recommendation of the person that I knew. And so the process was, I well, for BGB specifically, 
I had messaged this person and said, hey, I'm interested in becoming a medical writer. Are there any open positions at BGB? And he said, yes, absolutely. We're hiring for a medical writer. Why don't you send me your resume and I can submit it? So I did, and on his end, he submitted it to HR. And then HR reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we got word that you're looking for a medical writing position. How would you like to come in for an interview? And so I said, absolutely, sure. Went in. I interviewed with four people. I mean, the interview was a standard interview process. It was basically, tell me about yourself. Tell me about a time where you rose up to a challenge. And tell me about your ways of working with people that you generally do not like. And so standard interview questions. And then talking about what I did as a grad student and why I wanted to be in medical writing. And I thought that would be it, but then they invited me to a second round of interviews, which is surprising for me. But I think now, looking back in hindsight, I know why. Uh, the way BGB structures it is that they want you to meet all the senior vice presidents of the medical side, just so they can all come together and say whether they want to hire you, hire you or not. The first round, I didn't meet two of the SVPs, I only met one. And so the second round, I had to meet the other two. And again, same questions, it generally went well. And two weeks later, I got an offer. Like, you know, we really like you, would you want to accept the position here? And that's pretty much it. So the whole process in total took about, I want to say, a month. And then you can obviously tell them whether you want to start right away, you want to start in two weeks, or you want to start in a month. Does, does this job involve any, like, travel, or could it? Oh, so yes, it does involve travel. And the reason being is because depending on who you work, what company you work for, what kind of body of work they want, medical writing is more than just making a brochure, making a publication. Sometimes you can go to things called an ad board, and they're basically advisory boards with a bunch of doctors. And pharmaceutical companies really like this because they bring all the doctors in and they say, hey, what do you like about our drug? What don't you like about our drug? What do you like about our competitors? Uh, these ad boards take place all across the U.S. I usually travel to Chicago, to Dallas, or Indiana. But they hold these advisory boards, I think, once a month. So once a month, I'm traveling across the U.S. to these advisory boards. And I basically sit there, the doctors talk, I take my notes, and at the end, we fly back and we give Takeda a summary of all the key takeaways from that ad board and ways that they can sort of use those key takeaways to advance their brand. So again, that's the strategy marketing aspect of it. But then I also get to go to congresses. So I mentioned I had gone to an oncology congress before, and it was in Chicago. And it was called ASCO, which is like the biggest oncology conference, I think, in the world. But there are a bunch of oncology conferences, and depending on your pharmaceutical company, they want you to go there for A. Since all the oncologists are there, why not have an ad board there? And so I did that for ASCO. I will be doing that in ESMO, which is in Barcelona. That we'll be doing that for, I think it's called OAS, which is in Japan. So depending on who you work for, you can travel all over the world or you can just travel all over the United States. But there's a lot of traveling involved. Is that something you're sort of required to do or is it something you opted in for? I think it's required. Yeah, yeah. okay. It's required. And did you know that at the beginning, at the outset? I did not know that before I applied. It was made aware to me during the interview process with the, you know, they asked me, how do you feel about traveling? And I was like, I don't mind it. And they're like, good, because you're going to be doing a lot of it. Do you see yourself staying with this company for the next five years for this foreseeable future? I think for now, I'm definitely staying with the company. I really like the culture. I really like my team. And I think they've been so good at allowing me to grow in the role, allowing me to understand the process, and at the same time, giving me the opportunity to develop the skills to become a senior medical writer and to become a medical director, so on and so forth. So I don't see myself leaving for any foreseeable future. And to be honest, it takes a while to learn the process. 
it's one thing, you know, everyone's competent in learning about science and learning about a field. You can read the papers and, you know, synthesize the information, but there's also a process that happens within the medical writing field as to how exactly you do things so that everyone is on board. And that's what takes time getting used to. And everyone has to learn the ideal process so that everyone follows the same rules so that if something goes wrong, it's easily uh, amended. And I think when you teach someone that, that's when you become really valuable to the company. At least in particularly for BGB, once they cement the process to you and you understand how it works, it's very hard to transfer that to somebody new. I think they do a really good job in keeping their employees mm -hmm. and wanting to keep their employees. Having seen sort of the other positions within yeah. your team and the broader team, you know, if you're going to stay at this company, let's say for like the next 10 years, yeah. where in the company do you want to be in 10 years? Probably as a VP. And that is more of a like, now you're managing the strategy behind the company and what kind of business the company pursues. What's interesting about the company is that no matter what level you're at, if you're an SVP, if you're a VP, if you're a senior medical director, everyone works on the content. Everyone touches the content in some way or another. It's never siloed. It's never like, oh, you did this wrong, so it's your fault. It's like everyone is held accountable. But at the same time, as a VP or as an SVP, you really do have a lot of discretion over where you think the company should move and where you think the company should expand on your business. You're involved a lot in pitches. So you travel and you pitch and you talk about the company and you say this is what we offer and this is what we can do. And I think at that level is sort of where I want to get, get into. The field is growing so there is a sense of job security so to speak. You learn skills that are very valuable not only as a scientist but also in business and pretty much working in the pharmaceutical world. It's a big business then. You develop skills that are going to be in demand probably in 10, 15, 20 years from that's a wrap for this episode of Alumni Aloud. I want to thank Miguel for coming on the show to share his experiences as a medical writer. Remember to stay tuned for more episodes of Alumni Aloud, published every two weeks during the fall and spring semesters. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically be notified of new episodes. Also, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and career planning website at cuny.is slash careerplan for more updates from our office or to make appointments with our career counselors. Thanks for listening and see you next time.